Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to the show. I hope you're having an amazing day wherever you're tuning in to us from. And today I'm excited because you're about to pull up a seat next to my table here and join the conversation. You get to eavesdrop in on the conversation I'm having with my special guest today. And all we love to do on this show is be able to showcase business and talk about the journey and just having that genuine conversation around entrepreneurship. So be sure to grab something to drink, uh, coffee, tea, maybe something else, depending on where you're at and what you're doing and sit tight because we're going to be talking about the entrepreneur journey. And I am so excited to have a special guest before we get into it. Just a quick reminder, especially if you're new around here, be sure to uh, follow the Facebook business page here, as well as uh, the podcast if you're listening to this on the replay. And just to let you know, if you need help with your business, especially when it comes to live broadcasting and really just getting out there through video, be sure to head over to the website at troxel.com, click on that start here page, and I will be glad to help you and point you in the right direction. Now, Let's jump into the conversation. So if you're new around here, here's the setting, here's the deal. We are actually at a quote coffee shop and you, the listener, are grabbing a seat at the table next to ours and you're gonna be eavesdropping in on our conversation. I'm gonna bring my guests on here in just a few seconds and we're gonna be talking about business and being able to allow you to get an inside insider's perspective of what us entrepreneurs really talk about because there's a lot of things that go on and it's not always going to be picture perfect Instagram lifestyle, right? There's going to be the ups, the downs and everything in between. So that is why we love doing this show and being able to have you along for the ride. So without further ado, let me go ahead and shift gears here and let's go ahead and bring on our guest and here we go. Hey, Robert, how are you today? I'm well. I'm enjoying the snow here in Colorado. Yeah, nice. I am so excited that you have some snow because of all the fires and stuff. So it's nice to have a change of scenery. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's also next summer's water. So yes. it's, it's a good thing. Yes, that is so important. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about extraordinary people because that I love when you use that term and, and and more importantly, you know, your your book because those those things really speak to me and I feel like though they just bring something so positive to light and, and really sh help us shine. So tell me a little bit more about what you do with extraordinary people and and how that came about. Well, it's the culmination of a long journey. So you mentioned journey earlier. This is the third training company that I founded and led. So that's that that part of it is not new to me. Uh, and I, I think what might be useful is to talk about extraordinary in two different ways. One is our content and what we're trying to do with our methodology, with our philosophy behind our work. And that is that uh, I've learned over the years that gradual improvement is laudable. It's wonderful. But if you're really looking for extraordinary results, gradual improvement does not work. Uh, that what you need to do is break through, break through from old attitudes, habits, and behaviors into a new way of being uh, that we describe as extraordinary. The effort required, quite frankly, and this is a line from my book, it's simple, but it's not easy. 
And uh, I think as human beings, what we're looking for is to have things be complicated uh, and hard to understand and, 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 uh, and then easy. It's just the opposite. Uh, the great teachers throughout history have explained to us how to make our life work. Uh, Lao Tzu or Confucius from the East or uh, uh, Norman Vincent Peale or, or uh, Napoleon Hill you know, they've, they've all told us how to be successful. It's actually pretty simple. Uh, it's not easy, which is why most people avoid it. And the other side of Extraordinary is that this is my third training company, and I've had a couple of other entrepreneurial efforts over the years. And uh, when I named it, I named it de very deliberately to be extraordinary, to bring extraordinary results to people, to assist them in the kind of breakthrough that leads to uh, accomplishment. Yes, I love that. And when you are going through your journey, when you think about where you started and where you've come so far, how has that mind shift changed for you and, and, and that drive to keep going? Because I feel like with entrepreneurship, there's so many times where, you know, we have that one thing that we're working on with a bunch of other things in the background, of course. Uh, we have that thing that we're working on, and if it if that doesn't work the way we think it's supposed to work, we automatically check it off as a failure and maybe don't even move forward. And and, and it's really hard with that. I know with one of my businesses, uh, before the one that I have now, I decided why not help out with the uh, online course creation I saw that there was a problem. You know, most people don't like dealing with tech. Things were too complicated. So what did I do? I was like, well, why not just build my own site and have a, you know, a place for people to host their courses and have bite-sized information. And I did, and it was great. I didn't do a whole lot of promoting with it. And for me, I decided that, yes, it could have been one of those times where I could have just been in my feelings and thought, what an epic failure and, and what a loss of time and money. But I didn't. I, I looked at it as, okay, there was opportunity here. I learned something about what I was doing, what I have done. I put things together and I was able to take the knowledge and what I learned from that experience and move forward and apply it to other areas of my business. So, and I, and I've done that before with my magazine as well. So, it's one of those things that I try to look on the bright side of things and pick out those moments of strengths and opportunities versus, you know, win, uh, wins and maybe failures. <laughs> well, it's a cliche that a failure is a learning opportunity, uh, but it's a cliche because it's true. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had incredible success. You mentioned uh, my book, uh, Living an Extraordinary Life, and uh, a lot of people have come to me and kind of complained, especially people that know me a bit. And they've said, uh, I, I read your book, I love your book, but it's not about you, uh, which is true. Uh, and they'll say, you know, you've lived an extraordinary life, you should write a book about that. It seems like, seems like an ego exercise to me, but <laughs> and I haven't done it, <laughs> even though I've kind of started one uh, that has some aspects of that. Uh, so the book's not about me, it's about our graduates and how they interact with the material in our trainings. Oh, uh, 
Yeah, but one chapter is about me. It's not revealed in the book, so this is a secret reveal here. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and uh, you'll identify with the title of the chapter, which is, You Are Not Enough. You Are Not Enough. What failure often brings to us on the personal level is you are not enough. You didn't have enough education. You didn't have enough capital. You didn't have a big enough network. Uh, <clears throat> you don't have enough discipline. You know, the list goes on. You're not smart enough. And I spent uh, a large part of my life uh, with that being my background noise. In my operating system, it was always you are not enough. Now, interestingly, you are not enough can lead to tremendous success. Because what it did for me was I said, I'll never be poor again, that's how I grew up, and I'll show them. Yes. I don't know who, I don't know who them is, but I'm gonna show them, right? Yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, you know, I ended up in a 15,000 square foot home on 76 acres in Aspen, Colorado with uh, my own jet and, uh, you know, uh, 80 days of skiing a year at 46. Wow. So, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of success. Yeah. What was missing, because I did all of that from the standpoint of you are not enough. And what was missing for me, a big discovery for me, it's now the subtitle of my book, is what was missing was joy and satisfaction. So on the personal side of things, uh, it's a journey. There's some potholes in the road. There's some turns and twists and dead ends and, you know, and... I've had plenty of them. I've had some minor ones. I had a major one. I, you know, I closed 15 offices of my uh, second company and fired 240 people and uh, lost $30 million. So I've had a big one and I've had some minor ones. Uh, and along the way, even though there were some moments where I wanted to, you know, fall into victimhood and sadness and self-blame and all of those things that we do as human beings, uh, that's when I've learned the most about me, about business, about other people, about markets. Uh, most of my really big learning have come from failure, not from success. Uh, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, that you kind of need a, a slap on the face in order to wake up sometimes, but it has been pretty true for me. Uh, on the other hand, I, I realize that one of the things we teach is to be grounded in a sense of purpose. Uh, particularly if that purpose is bigger than you are and if it's uh, grounded in contribution. And uh, I've really learned that through all of this journey, uh, there was an underlying purpose, whether I was aware of it or not. Um, but I do encourage entrepreneurs to get clear about why they're doing what they're doing. What is the unique reason that drives them and by unique, I mean, there's 7 billion people on this planet, and I believe there are 7 billion pur purposes. So it's, it's up to us to discover what it is and then figure out a way to live consistent with it, aligned with it. Yes. Man, I'm getting chills because that, that was powerful. I love how you tied in the success, but also where the opportunities were and, and to know that Yes, you can have all of the things, but you still need to have that that joy, that happiness, and, and tying that in. And 
all of the emotions that we as entrepreneurs feel because wow. I think so many feel that if they had, you know, that that jet or or that picture perfect Instagram setting with the champagne and the you know the <laughs> if, if they just had that, life would be a piece of cake and they would just be, you know, happy as ever. But in reality it's not like that. No. No, and there are moments of uh, of happiness and joy and satisfaction that exceed anything I ever dreamed of in my life. So it's a journey. It's up and it's down and it's around and it's confusing and it's amazing. Uh, it's all of those things. And if we want it to just be step by step and very measured, we're probably going to be pretty disappointed. Yeah, definitely. And, and how do you, uh, I, I, I mean, I imagine now it, it's a little bit different, but maybe maybe the same. But when it comes to that emotional roller coaster, especially back in the day, uh, when you had the early time with the businesses, do you recall like how you would get that motivation? Like how you could push forward? I, I think you already touched on it, but it's just one of those things that, because I know that that drive can be really hard to find sometimes when you, when you do get down and out on, on the roller coaster here. Yeah, well, I think there's two kinds of that kind of depressive or sad or confused or whatever places, or maybe there's ten thousand uh, <laughs> reasons, but I'll, I'll I think there are two big ones. Yeah. Uh, one is you know something happened, some event and that your belief system, the way you're wired, the way you grew up, processes that event in a way that doesn't move you forward. So that's something we can do something about. You, know, you can learn something about that and learn a new pattern uh, that maybe is different than the pattern your parents or your early teachers or your mentors uh, imprinted in you or the examples around you imprinted. Uh, so that's one possibility. It's, it's just, it's an event. It happened. You just haven't learned the, the uh, consciousness and the skills to handle it successfully. Uh, this is something we've been doing for many, many years in our trainings, is to talk about that cycle. Uh, so that's one possibility. Uh, the other one is, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a big one. <laughs> that's a big one. You know, you're doing something because it caught your eye, or it's a product of what somebody else was doing. It looked easy, it looked exciting, you know, something like that. Uh, and it's it's actually not ever going to bring you that uh, satisfaction that comes from being aligned to your pr real purpose in living and working. Um, that. that and frankly, that's that's when a, a good coach, that's when they should give you a call at, uh, <laughs> and get some coaching on what they're up to. Is it real for them? Is it an expression of their authentic self? Or is it an expression of image, of ego, of, of uh, going along with the crowd? Uh, there's a famous story. Uh, uh, one of the formative events in my life that I get reminded of uh, about every six months is having a fairly severe knee disease as a teenager. Oh. So, so I was in a full leg cast, the old fashioned plaster cast 
you know, that it's like dragging around an anvil, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, in the hot summer, you know, it was not, uh, summer vacation. So I did that four out of five years as a teenager. They didn't know what to do with my knee, so they rested it. That, and today they would have, they'd handle it much differently, but that, yeah. that, that's what they did. So uh, we did not have a television. Uh, we didn't have any money. Uh, what am I going to do? I'm confined to the cast. And, uh, but one block from my home was what's called a Carnegie Library. Okay. And, you know, Andrew Carnegie, after he stole all that money, you know, he was one of the original robber barons uh, <laughs> in the uh, uh, late 1800s. Uh, after he made all that money, he, I don't know, turned a leaf. I don't know if, if some transformational event or uh, maybe mortality was, you know, starting to occur to him. Yeah. But he built more than built and furnished more than 1,000 libraries in the United States. Uh, you know, the smaller libraries that you don't hear about. And one of them was a block from my house. So I, with crutches, I could go a block. And uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> So that's what I did for several summers, is I read my way through the biography and history and uh, uh, particularly those areas of my local library. But Carnegie has a great story about uh, himself. This is an actual Andrew Carnegie story that every morning he had his shoes shined in the lobby of his building. So he would stop every morning, have his shoes shined, uh, tip the guy and, and go on to work. And uh, one of the realities of Carnegie is that when the great crash came in 1929, when the market oh, yeah. disappeared overnight, uh, about two weeks before that, he took all of his, he sold all of his shares and uh, took all of his, his investments out of the market. So, of course, people were saying, why did you do that? I mean, was that luck or was it, were you just prescient? Did you, did you see this coming? And he said, no, he said, uh, when the guy that was shining my shoes started giving me stock tips, oh. I knew it was about to end. And I pulled my money, I pulled my shares out of the market. And we're talking about, you know, a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, in today's money. Uh, a lot of people get into things, I've noticed, entrepreneurially because everybody is doing it, or it looks like it's gonna be easy. It's a slam dunk. Yeah. That's, that's usually not an expression of your authentic self. That's just another expression of going along with the crowd. So you're just not going to rebound well when you hit the inevitable uh, rough spots in the road, because it's, it's really not real for you. So I think that's a part of the entrepreneurial journey that is often ignored. Maybe yeah. you're maybe you're really not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, you know, it's it's funny you mention that because I was just actually having uh, uh, mentioned this on a call this morning where I had somebody uh, close to me send me an email recently asking if I'd be interested in helping with X, Y, Z. And while I could very well do it, I, I had to say no. And they've known me for so long. They were, they were really impressed when we were on a call. They were like, when you said no, 
I was really impressed that you said no, because they know that I like to help people and that I want to, you know, do the best for everyone. And it's one of those moments where you're reminded that it's okay to say no. We have to learn that that's okay and reprogram because we're, we're so often saying yes to things that don't apply to us. And, and maybe we don't know how to say no. And so it's, it's just one of those things where it's okay to say no to things, even if you really do want to try it, if it's not the right time for you and the right moment for you. You know, I have some amazing friends that are inspiring and wonderful to be around. One of them, uh, uh, you could refer to him as K squared. His name is Kevin Knabel. Uh, Kevin, normal spelling, Knabel's K-N-E-B-L. Okay. Kevin, he's one of the hottest uh, internationally famous speakers on the circuit today, public speakers. And he's uh, uh, just incredible on stage. I mean, it, he doesn't have a script. I, I think he might have a few kind of an outline that he works from. Yeah. Uh, but he's just has an ability to be with people in a way that's just uh, so uh, incredibly powerful. But when he began to be getting the, the big engagements uh, uh, and getting the big money, frankly, yeah. and becoming incredibly popular, people started approaching him with ideas on how they could partner and how, how, you know, Kevin, if you just added this product to what you're doing, you know, that kind of approach, which sounds like what might have happened for you this morning. And yeah. uh, so Kevin set up a rule and, uh, his, his, and the rule is to either say, hell yes or hell no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It really makes me think. It really yes. makes me think. Yes. And if it's if it's hell no, it's got, you know, he does what you did this morning. You know, you do that quick scan and you go, even if I got all my questions answered about this, I don't think I want to do it. Yeah. And that that moment of hesitation should be trusted. You know, yeah. if you have a little bit of life experience and uh, if you uh, kind of trust your gut or intuition or whatever you want to call it. Uh, if he says hell, hell yes, it doesn't mean he's going to do it. But it does mean that he's going to investigate it, go further, give it a real hearing. Oh, uh, I like You know, really check it out. Uh, on the other hand, another public speaker and a great one is Alan Paris. Uh, Alan is uh, just dynamite, wonderful guy, one of our graduates also, so I know him well. And back when, uh, after, you know, after 9-11, the public speaking business died for one full year. Oh, no there was kidding. no work. You know, for a long time, you couldn't fly. Yeah. Then, then they didn't want to get people together in groups. And, you know, so everything got upset. And <laughs> later, I, I was having lunch with Alan. I said, how did you survive that? You know, and he said, I, I started saying yes. <laughs> he said, there were things that I had, I thought I was too big a deal, you know, to do some of these minor things. Uh, so I started saying yes. But his filter was, is that thing I'm saying yes to aligned to my vision, my purpose, and my values? If it is, even though I might have said no before, I'll say yes now, I'll try it out. And I thought, is, that's an interesting contrast from two yeah. guys in the same industry. Oh yeah, it's huge. And I'm glad that you shared those examples because 
that that really helps when you're thinking about the decisions that pop up because we're constantly being uh, bombarded with decisions, opportunities that are coming our way, and we have to be able to decide: is that something that we want to say hell yes to, or no? <laughs> like, right. We have to be able to do that, and and those are great examples of that. And what an amazing willpower that takes too. You know, when we when we make that choice, when we only have two options, and we just got to figure out which one to go with. Well, the you know the biggest issue many people have is uh, operating their lives to get approval from others. So, so, you know, so quite often, yes, is the way to get approval. It's not aligned to your purpose, vision, and values. Uh, it is, again, a cliche, but it's, it's just so true that for entrepreneurs, one of the biggest issues is, in fact, the approval of the people around them. Because if they're really on track, that does not mean the people around you are going to approve of it. Uh, they might think you're crazy. They might uh, criticize your choice. <laughs> they might remind you of how broke you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I uh, I've spent more than half of my working life abroad uh, in oh, cool. uh, in Japan and China, and uh, but in the early days in Japan. Uh, uh, maybe too long a story to tell, but I ended up sleeping on the sofa of my partner for eight months, and I had to send my wife and my infant son back to the U.S. Uh, because I couldn't afford to support them in Japan. Oh wow! And I remember, uh, you know, and at that time it was international phone calls cost a lot of money. Sure. So we didn't do it very often, but I remember one of those calls. Uh, my my wife at that time asked me. Are you sure this is a good idea? You know, she's she's thinking about the mortgage payment and supporting her and my son, and you know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm on this, you know, launching this crazy business in Japan. Uh, she said, "Are you sure <laughs> this is what you want to do?" And it, you know, it's one of those moments where you got to go, you know, take that deep breath, take a look inside you and then balance maybe what you're feeling yeah. with the reality that you're facing uh now that decision turned out very well for me but okay. uh, i remember that moment you know where you have to decide uh you know i carried in my suit pocket you know that inner pocket oh, yeah. I, I carried a return ticket at all times no kidding and my passport Oh, and, you know, it was it was that close. <laughs> yeah. And see, that right there has got to go in your book for, for you. <laughs> that, that story right there is what people want to hear. When they said you're not in your book, that's what they want is right there. <laughs> well, there, there are there are several stories like that. Maybe I will finish that book. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the beauty of it is that, uh, you know, being able to share those moments because that's something that you know we carry around like i mean for me it, it's my not the troll guy here but the why notter right that like that that is my thing and whether it's on a button or my hat or shirt or whatever i mean i've even worn um uh my undershirt which says why notter to events because it, it it empowers me and that's what i feel so connected to and 
and why I'm doing what I'm doing is to help other Wynotters, the entrepreneurs, yes. their lives easier. So it's those things that we hold on to that we want to share with others because that's what inspires and motivates them to keep going and, and to try it and, and to see what in their life is, is their thing that they're holding on to. Uh, yeah, I mentioned I have, I have a lot of wonderful friends. Uh, one I met in somebody else's training. And I've been to more than 50 personal growth trainings. Wow. Some, some, some for me and some because it's been my industry and I want to know what's going on in, in yeah. my business. Uh, but I'm a, one of the graduates of one of the uh, early actual competitors uh, to my company, uh, a company called EST, E-S-T which is now called Landmark. And uh, uh, they've got several million graduates around the world. And it's really, a, it's something I do recommend. It's great training. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in one of those trainings, it was a training for chief executives. I met a guy named Charlie Kiefer. Now you haven't heard of him probably, and most people haven't heard of him, but inside the industry, people know who he is because Charlie, uh, asked to, to, if he could talk with me on the bus ride back from this ski resort where the training was held into San Francisco. You know, it's a couple hour ride. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, uh, now this is a guy with a, a master's in physics from MIT. Oh, wow. You know, he's smart at a level I can't even dream of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but somehow he got into organizational development and, and working with teams. And he shared with me in a very hesitant, almost like a six-year-old talking about whether or not he can ride his bike or not, <laughs> that he had this idea for a training. I said, tell me about it. And he started talking about it. I said, well, what's the problem? He said, oh, and he had this, all these excuses for starting. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I'll skip ahead to say that the irony of that is that Charlie and a guy named Lynn Schlesinger a former professor at Harvard Business School and uh, uh, chief operating officer of the Limited when they had 2,000 stores. So oh, wow. those two those two hotshots wrote the best book on entrepreneurship that I know about, which is called Just Start. Yes! <laughs> How's that for irony? There's about, I don't know, there might be 20 years between that conversation and that book. But yeah. I said, I said, just do it, you know, get, get, Get some people together and, and you know do the training. Yeah, and that he built that into an incredible business that he later sold, and uh, so. But after he sold it, he did what entrepreneurs do, and he made a lot of money. Okay, like a lot, and uh, uh, so he spent a couple of years playing, which he bought an airplane, you know, and learned how to fly it, and. Uh, uh, a sports car. You got to have a sports car, right? You <laughs> complete your midlife crisis, and uh, uh, and he got bored, and he lives outside of Boston in Framingham, Mass. And uh, one of the things I've learned about Boston is there's an incredible number of universities within 30 minutes of Central Boston. I mean, it's like incredible. And when they find out that there's a rich guy who knows something about entrepreneurship and has a degree from MIT, his phone started starts to ring, right? Yes. Come, and talk, come and talk to our students. We won't pay you anything, but maybe we'll buy you lunch or we'll give you a plaque. Yes. And uh, so he, he went around and what he learned 
was that the entrepreneurship programs at most universities were totally useless. Yep. And it's people that have never done it trying to teach it. Yes. And that uh, led to Just Start. And actually, he also, at, at Babson College, where they actually have an entrepreneurial program that does work, I think the University of Texas has a pretty good program. There, there are some good ones out there. But uh, he, uh, he called me one day and said, you know, I want you to come and evaluate my training. And I said, I never do that. I'll come as a student, as a full participant. And, but secretly, I thought, I don't need this stuff. I'm an experienced entrepreneur. I know what to do, right? Right, right. Of course, I'm not going to say that because it's going to betray my outrageous ego. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking out the window here and I can see Mount Evans. Oh, nice. <laughs> about 14,000 feet high. Wow. My, my ego can be about that size, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I want to be cool. So I didn't say that. And uh, Ed, I learned so much. Oh, because, that. you know, because... I, I I was able to back away from the process that I'd been living in and to see what some really smart guys had observed about entrepreneurship. And later, what that did lead to was this book, Just Start. So I, I highly recommend it. It's on, you know, Amazon or anywhere you want to buy a book. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very simple. And, and I also like books that where you really know the content of the book just from the title. Yep. And yep. Uh, so in a way, you don't have to buy the book, I suppose. <laughs> I remember. In fact, I, I was just checking. I don't have it up here, but I think I do have it down uh, downstairs. Oh. And now I feel like I need to reread it because now I know a special story that makes it that much better, you know? And, and that's the beauty of it, and being able to really open up. I love that you opened yourself up to allow that training to happen, to, to learn something new, to, to see if there was anything new for you to learn, right? Instead of you no. just saying, no, nope, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm the top, like nobody else is going to compare. Like, no, we're, we're good. You allow <laughs> to at least be open to the idea. And, and that's what I always try to teach people too, you know, specifically when it comes to going live. It's one of those things where there's so many things that can come up and why people wouldn't do it. But in a nutshell, it really just is the fact that we have to just start and we have to understand that it, at least be open to the idea of being in front of the camera, going live, and knowing the possibilities that can come from it versus just saying, nope, I can't be on camera. You know, that because I've been there and I've done that too. <laughs> it's one of those things that we have to be open to new things because entrepreneurship is constantly evolving. And if we're not flexible and we're not making those those pivots along the way, we're gonna get left behind. And, and it's super important to not do that. You know, I always tell people, yeah. I don't want you to be the next blockbuster video store. I want you to be the next Netflix and, and yes. stay ahead of the curve. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, the, uh, a lot of people have said it more elegantly than I'm about to say it, but whatever our, our formal education was, it was for a time that no longer exists. Yeah. Things are changing so quickly 
you'd better be plugging yourself into every opportunity you can yes. to uh, uh, to learn and to learn based upon you know without denigrating your past. Right. You know, it's valuable. Uh, I mean, I. Uh, I'm now old enough to have some appreciation, I think, for my past. Uh, not like dwelling in it and not feeling bad about it or even not feeling good about it, but just appreciating it. And uh, uh, when I was uh, 10 years old, I won a, a contest, a citywide contest. I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, so winning a citywide contest might sound very impressive, but there are only 50,000 people in Green Bay at that time. <laughs> so it wasn't that big. And the, uh, one part of the prize was a Schwinn bicycle. Oh, that, cool. oh it was pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, but the other part was to go on the radio. Uh, and this is in the very early days of TV. So radio was everything. So, you know, to go on the radio and read this piece of writing that I had done. So I did it. And Ed, I cannot tell you how it changed my life that morning. Really? Being in the studio, you know, you talk about going live. Yeah. I was fast. First of all, I'm a guy, right? So I'm, I'm fascinated with the equipment. Yes. And, uh, uh, but also that this guy could sit alone in front of a microphone and reach millions of people. Well, maybe not. It's Green Bay. It's not millions of people. <laughs> a lot of people. Uh, anyway, that led to uh, something that I did uh, that I got criticized for uh, by my mother, who was the primary parent in my life, and by others in my family. I started hanging out at a radio station, not that original one, a different one, where they had a long central hall that was glass on both sides. Okay. So on, on one side, you could see the administrative and sales side of the radio station. The other side was all, you could look into the, the studios. Yeah. And I started spending most Saturday and Sundays there, nice. just ha hanging out in the hallway. And every once in a while, somebody say, you know, can I help you or, uh, you know, what are doing here? But after a while, they kind of adjust to you. You're like the furniture, I think. Yeah. That led to getting a job as a control engineer at 14 years old. Oh, cool. And, yeah. And then that and an alcoholic announcer that I worked for, that I ran the board for, uh, led to me being on the air. And that led to having the highest rated uh, top 40 uh DJ show in the state of Wisconsin at 17 years old, making more money than my father had ever made. Nope. But, <laughs> right, and uh, a level of improvement in self-esteem. I went from the kid on the wrong side of the tracks, the poor kid that wore the kind of shabby clothing to school, to being extremely popular because I'm on the air uh, nights and weekends. Yeah. Uh, and my audience are my fellow students. So that was good. But the, the secret part of the story is that uh, I did pretty well in school. Uh, I graduated sixth out of 300. Uh, and by the way, my mother's response to that was, why weren't you number one? Oh, <laughs> so you know what kind of a relationship I had with her. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, 
and at that time, by that time, my father had died, and I'm supporting our family. Wow. Uh, you know, with my income. Yeah. But uh, the secret part of it is that I would have been number one except for one grade, and the grade was in speech. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. See, I, we're writing your book right now. There's another chapter right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could talk. I could talk in a booth to a yeah. microphone. I couldn't get up in front of my fellow students because uh, of beliefs that I had about myself. That not enough thing comes around again. Uh, but most people uh, are a lot more attractive. And I, I don't mean just physically, but I just mean attractive. Most people are more interesting than they know they are. Yes. Most of them have something to share. Most of them are, are uh, secret weapons by their own choice, you know? And with the internet today, there's an opportunity for anyone to share what they know and who they are. Uh, so I love what you're doing. And of course, you know, we got to know each other because I needed help and, and you reached out and, you know, didn't make fun of me for my ignorance, <laughs> which I appreciated a lot. <laughs> and you just helped me. Uh, and and uh, uh, also, I'll mention this. I don't want to ruin this for your business, but when I asked Ed, you know, what I should pay him, he said, no, that's okay. Uh, so I kind of owe you. <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, that's that's the beauty of this. And that's why I, I love that you shared that story, too, about you being at the radio station and, and how you progressed there. Because, again, we all do have a story to share. Most of us think about books, which is great and, and Definitely, I, I hope to have mine someday too. Um, but using technology, because that's where I come into play, the tech part of things. And and the fact that I'm here today hanging out with you and, and talking about being in front of the camera and, and doing live broadcasting. Like, I would have never thought of that prior to starting my business. And I mean, I still have nightmares about being in third grade when I was being dragged up on stage, kicking and screaming, to present yes. in front of the cafeteria. <laughs> I had anxiety. Like, I don't like being in front of the camera or in public speaking. Um, now, not so much, right? Because I've trained myself and I've worked on that. And it's so powerful because I always like real conversations and, and being able to connect with people. and. Video just does that. Live video does that. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping others with that because it helps us get off of the wall and at least move closer to the front of the room. We don't have to all be in the front, you know, waiting to, to see everything, but at least get closer, maybe in the middle. Um, some may go all the way to the front, but it's just that pro uh, that gradual progression forward. So then that way we don't get left behind and that we do get to share amazing stories like you just did here is it's so powerful because it helps somebody and it, it makes us relatable and understand that it's not just us we're, we're going through all the same thing maybe they just look a little different uh yeah. but have those emotions and everything and so yeah entrepreneurship it's it's a journey and it's a fun one it, you just have to be flexible with it <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's the classic uh, 
the fact that there are potholes in a road and turns and twists don't mean that you stay home. Yes. You know, you still got to get out there and navigate uh, life. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I feel very blessed that the the people that I've met, the uh, circumstances that I found myself in, whether they'd be labeled positive or negative, they're all part of that journey. They're all an opportunity to learn. Sometimes I have, and quite frankly, sometimes I have not. You know, I've not chosen to step into it and learn what I needed to learn. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I I had a long friendship with the late John Denver, the American singer. Oh yeah. And, and uh, it's why I moved to Aspen. Really, uh, I was on the board of directors of his nonprofit, uh, the Windstar Foundation. Uh, where we had a commitment to creating a sustainable future. And uh, so that, that brought me to Aspen. And then our families became close. We vacationed together. We got together and for Thanksgiving, we got together and sang Christmas songs, Christmas hymns. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of things happened. We also went through a divorce together, not from each other, but yeah. our, our wives were then and still are best friends. Oh, and uh, so they left us uh, within two weeks uh, in a planned effort. Wow. <laughs> uh, and uh, when when things, uh, it was not a pleasant divorce, uh, right? And for either of us, you yeah. know, we both, we both ended up uh, being pretty savagely attacked and so when John got off the road one during the middle of all this, we went down Valley from Aspen is the city of Glenwood Springs. And it's okay. called that because there's a giant hot springs there. And there's what's called a vapor cave. Oh, so this is a commercial operation, but it's a natural cave. And, uh, you know, that hot steam comes up through the rocks. So it's like a, a natural steam room. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you go there and you pay your little fee and you go sit and cook for a while and talk. And then you go out and take a shower and then you come back and cook for a while. And then you have the macrobiotic lunch and a massage. Nice. Uh, and you cook some more. So it's a whole day deal. Yeah. And during that day, and, and this is one of those turning points in my life, uh, you know, I, I teach personal responsibility. I wrote a book about it, but the first thing that we did in that particular day was tell our victim story, each of us for about an hour oh. <laughs> and complain, you know, <laughs> and then uh, you start laughing at yourself and start owning the experience. But what came out of that day were, were uh, two realizations. Uh, the first one was that if God uh, sent this to us, or if the stars lined up this way, or whatever way you want to say it, yeah. sir, there must be some value in it. It, yeah. it can't be just this wreck that it appears to be on the surface. And then the other thing is we made a, a promise to each other that we would learn whatever it is we're supposed to learn out of this, that we would hold each other accountable to staying engaged in the process and learn it. When I look at people that have experienced a, a wreck in their personal life or in their business, uh, a difference that I see is, do they own it 
even though there were a lot of maybe outside influences, maybe somebody betrayed you, maybe somebody uh, did not treat you well, maybe things just didn't turn out the way you wanted them to. Uh, but do you own that? Do you see your own contribution to it? Can you take personal responsibility? And then secondly, uh, what's your new promise? What's up? You know, uh, because uh, that's where the magic is. That's where the joy and satisfaction come from, is yeah. in fact, picking yourself up and going at it again. Uh, so that's that in the terms of the coaching that I now do, in the terms of the purpose of my book or other writings, uh, that's kind of what I'm up to is, I, I love it when whatever I'm doing catches somebody in that, on what I call the growing edge. They're on yeah. the edge. And the edge is a scary place to be. But is it a growing edge or, frankly, is it a dying edge? Is it, is it something that leads to expansion and growth and a release of energy? Yeah. Or, or does it take you down the rabbit hole? Uh, and the people that seem to find my book, find, hire me as a coach, uh, get in a training that I do, seem to be those people that are on the growing edge. Maybe, maybe everything isn't working perfectly for them. Yeah. Or maybe it is, and they still think they could be better. Yeah. But what a privilege it is to be with, with people in that way. Uh, so. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, and I know uh, we have to run here before I let you go. Um, just briefly tell me about the eight principles, because I, I know you mentioned that to me earlier. That kind of interesting. What's the eight principles that you have? Well, uh, years ago, we're doing the trainings. The trainings are, you know, large groups, 150 to 250 people. Uh, over a 17-year period, we kept numbers. We had a money-back guarantee. 1.3% people said, yes, I want my money back. Well, that means 98 point something liked it, right? Yeah. So we're doing something right. People are getting value from the trainings. They're all getting some value, almost all. But some people were taking the training and doing fantastic things with it. I mean, they're, they're going out and knocking the world dead, right? They're, yeah. they're making tons of money. They're having wonderful relationships, wonderful families. Their dreams are coming true. So we wondered, you know, the training is the same. The trainer is the same. The room is the same. Everything's the same. Yeah. And yet some people were doing something different with it. So we uh, interviewed over a thousand people, our own little informal study. Wow. And we found that the distinction was that those people that were incredibly successful were coming into our room with a set of principles that were different than the average person. And originally we identified five and then we expanded it over time to eight. Every one of them is something you already know and every one of your listeners already knows. Yeah. You know, it's to be clear about what you want. It's to tell the truth. It's to express yourself. It's to uh, be in partnership, operate from a win-win perspective. It's really looking at your commitment in the matter, things like that. Yeah. And so uh, we started with all of our trainings, begin with the eight principles. And we ask them, we ask people, rate yourself on these, totally subjective. And by the end of the training, what's the one or two you'd like to improve and demonstrate in this room? 
Uh, so out of 30 years of that kind of work, I wrote this 30-page uh, mini book, I guess, uh, about the eight principles. And within it is a chance to evaluate yourself. Oh, cool. And, and, and then take a deeper dive into the eight principles and then evaluate yourself again. Uh, so uh, that so, is cool. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that uh, a way for me to make a contribution to people and to be in touch with them. So uh, along with it comes a, a, a free subscription to my Extraordinary Minute, which is a, a weekly email that can be read in one minute or less. Uh, oh, uh, my little way to stay in touch with people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm definitely going to go to extraordinarypeople.com afterwards and go sign up because that, that's an amazing offer to have. I'd love to be able to check out those eight principles. And, have <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and people can, uh, you know, they should feel free to share them with friends and colleagues. And oh, yeah. It creates, a, speaking of coffee shops, it creates an interesting coffee shop conversation. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and that you learned a lot. I cannot wait to listen to this all over again because we covered quite a bit of ground here. And if you're anything like me, I got a little chill every so often with some of the words that we were saying and just the conversation we had. Super powerful and definitely one to re-listen to or re-watch if you're watching this online. Now, all of the information will be available in the show notes underneath uh, this uh, show. So that way you can connect with Robert, as well as if you need anything from me, you can just always message me wherever you're at online. And just so you know, at the time of this recording, we are preparing for Black Friday. And so if you go to my Start Here page, there's a link there that will take you to the specials. If you have any questions, just use the chat bubble on my site down in the lower right-hand corner. I hope that you all have an amazing rest of your day and wherever you're tuning into us from, enjoy, and we will see you next time. Take care, everyone.